You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. So, uh, yeah, my I got to get a new audio cable. Just not working. Like you said, you know, you get a you get a almost all these kind of audio cables are just made as cheaply as possible and like you said there's no audio or there's no quality control. No. But no, it is that. so you end up buying three of the things and hope one of them works. <laughs> it's disappointing. So David Cohen, you yeah. uh you got a new uh, iPad. I got a new iPad. Oh. Which was I wasn't kind of it really wasn't expecting to get one so soon. But then things happened and it was almost outside of my control. Which was kind of strange really cuz on Friday morning when it was launched over here, well, it was, was launched everywhere, but I was in a meeting in Cambridge. It was about 200 miles from here. And uh, after I finished the meeting, I, had to t- I was on the train, so I walked back through a shopping centre to get to the railway station. And that's where the Apple store is in Cambridge. So I, I saw there was a line, so I asked one of the store guys there how long the line was, and they said, oh, it was about half an hour's wait. And they said, well, half an hour, maybe 40 minutes. Because what they were doing is they were stopping too many people going in the store. Right. And uh, so I kind of looked at my watch and I thought, well, if I, if I wait, then I'm probably going to miss the next train. And then that's going to make it, you know, it's about like a three and a half hour journey to get home from there. So I figured, well, I'll get it later. I'll get, I'll get one in a few weeks' time. You know, well, no big deal, really. So um, headed off to London. Um, went across London to the railway station where you have to go to to get back up to Manchester uh, get on the train, sat down waiting for the train to leave and it's not going anywhere and then the conductor comes on the tannoy and says that somebody had um, had fallen in front of a train uh, further up the line and all the trains out of this station which is like 14 platforms, it's, it's like one of the biggest stations in London all trains have been suspended in and out while they kind of basically resolved this situation where this guy had been hit by a train. So, um, and they were advising, but London's a bit strange. It has all these different stations because uh, all our lines were built individually. So they were advising people to walk down the road about um, probably about a quarter of a mile and go to another station and take a different route up via a different part of the country to get to Manchester. I didn't really want to do that because literally the entire station had been emptied out and I figured it was going to be really busy. So I thought I'd wait until they'd sort things out and reopen the station I was at. And I called home and told my, told my wife what was going on. And I jokingly said, you know, I could go down to Covent Garden and get a coffee and see what the line's like at the, at the big Apple store. That, that's the, Covent Garden is where the biggest Apple store in London is. And she went, oh, yeah, well, if you want to go and get the new iPad and you can get one, why don't you go and get one? If you've got a couple of hours to kill. <laughs> oh, quit twisting <laughs> my arm. Oh. And you, as you can imagine, I went, okay, then bye. Hung the phone up and left. <laughs> <laughs> was the line still 45 minutes? Because that's like, you know, you're not going to get better spousal permission than that. No, no. And she actually told me, well, no, the thing is, this was, this was in line. London, this wasn't in Cambridge, uh, and the thing is after she put the phone down, she apparently she thought to herself, crap, he probably thought I meant that. <laughs> okay, yeah, so uh, I arrived there and there was no line at all, um, and it was the usual deal where they were kind of cheering everyone coming in and out. Um, Which so I find I, I particularly walk- annoying. Well, yeah, it, yeah I mean, it, it, I suppose it was. In Covent Garden, it's not quite so bad because Covent Garden uh, is full of London tourists. 
so um, it kind of it, it makes it a bit more entertaining really there was lots of people standing around watching what was going on so I walked in and I literally walked out within five minutes with my new iPad and uh, I kind of played up to the crowd a bit when I came out because there was all these tourists there with cameras and everything so uh, I kind of held the iPad bag up like a, you know it was like it was the head of the Gorgon from Clash of the Titans you know over my head it was like you know and as, as everyone was cheering and there were people taking photos and everything it was uh, it was kind of funny um and so yeah, there there it was. So I had it. And, awesome. Um, what do you think so far? Uh, I love it. So you've I had it for a week. So yeah, I, I didn't get to use it as much the first couple of days as I was hoping because I was kind of busy last weekend. Um, but it's it's re. I mean, I went from an iPad one to this, so the speed of the device is, you, you know, really noticeably faster than the iPad one. The iPad one was really starting to bog down a lot of it. Um, and uh, the display is just amazing. It, I mean, it's it's one of those things you kind of say to people. People, obviously, lots of people have asked me, "Oh, what's um, what's different about it?" And you say, "Oh, it's got a better screen and it's like faster graphics and all sort of thing." It sounds a bit kind of meh, you know. But when you actually pick it up and look at it, it's it really is uh, quite unbelievable how good the screen is. Yeah, it is. And uh, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things you really have to see to kind of dig it. And um, it it's. Yeah, just just using the device for a long periods of time is just much easier now because it's so much easier to read. And it's not like the old one was hard to read, but the fact that everything is just so smooth, it looks like a... Um, it, uh, the biggest thing for me is the old one looked like a computer display. The new one looks like the displays you see on Star Trek. Yes. In that, you know, they were... I mean, those were made you know, like using printed acetate, so there was no jaggies or anything on at all. Uh, and this is what this looks like. It looks like somebody's printed something and stuck it behind the glass and backlit it. But of course, it's not. It's moving, um, and that's it's very understated. Um, but uh, the other thing, as well as the colours, that really pop off it. You know, I've really noticed with photography that the um, you know the, the gamut of colours it can show is much wider than pretty much any device I own, including all my uh, all my computers. So um, when you're doing anything with, with pictures or on the web or anything, the, the colors really pop. So it's really very, very nice. And, it's, um, you know, it's, it certainly moved it well beyond anything else on the market. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I also got uh, the new iPad. And like you, I went from the iPad 1 to the iPad 3, even though it's not called the iPad 3, yeah. but the third generation, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, I bought mine. I, I literally, you know, uh, there was no waiting to get them now. I no. mean, the, Apple's command of that supply chain to roll this out to as many countries as they did, and there's really no bottleneck to get your hands on one and buy one, was, it was very impressive. I think what it demonstrates is the fact that the guy running the company now is a master of supply. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that was his job before, but clearly he's now, he can he now, <laughs> he, he can now take decisions to say, well, you know, I can decide that I'm going to man- manufacture 5 million for the first weekend. That's obviously what they did is they, they pre-manufactured a lot more than they have in the past, which is why, um, I mean, well, after I bought mine, probably about, 20 minutes half an hour after i bought mine they even packed up the uh, waiting line and people were just walking in and out to get them yep um and yeah I've, every time i've been near an apple store this week people are buying them and they're not having a problem waiting for them i purchased so. the uh 64 gigabyte wi-fi black uh-huh and uh you know i went from a 32 to a 64 and the only reason 
I moved up in space is because I was getting really tired of juggling. Because I use my iPad all the time. I, I probably use it more than I use a Mac for non-work-related things. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm the same. And uh, I, I, was, I was just tired of, of syncing it and seeing I've got, you know, 3% left of yeah. space and I just I'm just tired of that. I just don't want to worry about it. So I thought, you know, for a, a hundred bucks more I can get one and just I don't have to worry about it for probably another two years. Yeah, I wish I could I went to a thirty two I had a thirty two before and I bought another thirty two. I just couldn't stretch that far to a a sixty four. I, I have the same issue and I wish I could have done the same thing. Uh, my biggest um, struggle was when, when they said Do you want the white or the black? You know, I bought the white iPhone, and I really dig it. I really do. I think it's it's my favorite iPhone to date. It really is. This the the white 4s. Yeah. And I thought I, you know, I kind of I've had a black iPad for you know since day one, but I don't know. I I'll get the black. Really wasn't. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I read so much on it, and the black disappears whereas the white doesn't disappear and i didn't want the distraction of this big white bezel around it while i'm reading i think that's probably the only reason and i don't even know if it's an actual problem if i would have had one but yeah yeah my wife has a white one but it's always in a case you can't see the bezel anyway yeah um, my the case I use, I would have been able to see the bezel, but I, I didn't even think about it. I just, you know, I, I guess I just favor the black. So, well, we uh, when we were at MacWorld Expo, uh, you know, we met with quite a few companies, um, and I was doing double duty. I was covering it for MyMac.com, but I was also looking as a purchaser for Mac Specialist. And one of the companies that I came across was, uh, they're not a new company, but they're really starting to make a push into the iOS market. They're called Qmatics. It's Q-M-A-D-I-X. And I liked their packaging, which as a retailer is important to me. Um, I liked the way their iPhone cases looked. They they look pretty cool. I liked them. You're You're looking them up as I'm talking, aren't you? Of course. Yeah. Um, but what really kind of grabbed my attention was their portfolio with removable Bluetooth keyboard. It looks like a Zag case. It's made out of leather. The, uh, the keyboard itself is magnetized in there so you can easily remove it. Charges via yeah. USB. Of course, it's Bluetooth. Uh, and it's a nice device. I, I'm very familiar with the Zag ones. Yeah. And, and looking at the one from Qmatics, I kind of liked it a little bit more. It felt just touching it and and moving it around in your hands and and typing on it a little bit. I kind of liked it better than the Zag device. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you know, we went into discussions. And when I got home yesterday, I had a big box waiting for me at home with a sample of Qmatics uh, products, including this portfolio with removable Bluetooth keyboard. And I haven't had a chance to use it other than pull it out of the box and kind of, you know, look at it that way. But, wow, the build quality is really nice on this thing. I'm I'm looking forward to spending some quality time with it. Um, it just no, seems I, like a really I, nice device. Yeah. I see that has a rechargeable battery in that. Does that charge the iPad or is it, no, just, it for the, just for the keyboard? Just for the keyboard. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you. It, I don't know how long it lasts, but I'm going to assume it lasts quite a long time. Yeah. But you could you could put this in the case, and it just it's being held in by magnets. You can hold it upside down, and that keyboard doesn't move an inch. But yet, if yeah. you grab it and move it, it comes right off, no problem. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I'll give you a, a a more comprehensive review as I play with it some. And of course, this came out before the iPad three, but I'm going to assume it's just Bluetooth, and the size of the iPad three is the same as the two, so. I don't foresee any yeah. problems there, but it's, I gotta say, I'm kind of impressed with it. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, uh, and I'm also using one of their iPhone cases, and uh, that too is pretty nice, so it's kind of neat when you get home and you got a little box of goodies to play with for a little bit, you know? That's right, yeah. Of course, my big thing was I wanted to sync my iPad to my computer. I don't do the Wi-Fi syncing. I know a lot of people are in love with that feature. I find it a little buggy. It's kind of strange. It just starts yeah. sinking in the middle. I'm doing something else, and it decides, oh, now's a good time to sink. Well, I, I find with, with mine that, um, uh, with all my devices, that what actually happens is it starts to sink, and then it fails. And then after that, you kind of have to restart iTunes to get it working again. Right. But I, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I just basically, iTunes has become virtually irrelevant to me. I need it on my on my Mac at home so that the Apple TVs have content. Um, but actually for my devices, um, because I've got iTunes match, that's where all my music comes from. Um, my, uh, I occasionally sync some video to my devices, but I, I tend to use an external device for that now for the iPad. And, uh, obviously all my apps I get through directly through the cloud. Um, so I don't really need to sync uh, iTunes with my uh, devices anymore. I'm a big podcast listener, but I've switched to an uh, Downcast, which is an on, on iOS podcast manager, which is actually much better for me than um, than it ever was syncing through iTunes because I use multiple devices for my podcasts, and it syncs locations and playlists and everything through the cloud again. So um, I just don't really sync to iTunes anymore, which um, I'm kind of liking, really. <laughs> well, I, I posted up on Twitter a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago, I don't know, that iTunes needs a rewrite. It feels kludgy to me at this point. It's not... It's less Apple-like than it should be. And I'm, I'm not really pleased with iTunes anymore. I've got to wonder whether they won't bother rewriting it, but what they'll do is they'll just basically move all the management into the cloud. Yeah, but that only works to a certain extent. I mean, I've got a ton of music, David. I couldn't put all my music in the cloud. I really could. I mean, I could, but it's just not manageable that way. That's my problem with the cloud. It's just it's not manageable as it is on a desktop, creating playlists and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. It's... I would love to see Apple invest maybe, you know, six to six months to a year kind of rewriting the concept of iTunes from the ground up. It doesn't have to be the way it has been. Well, let's, yeah, let's face it. The application is, is broadly functionally the same as it was when it first came out in, what, 2002? No, I mean, it's 2000. Yeah, so, I mean, it's the... It's well long in the tooth now, and it's had so much stuff added to it. Um, you know, but Apple being Apple, you know what will happen when they rewrite it? Is they'll strip a load of stuff out, and people will go nuts. Why don't Why don't they make iTunes for the iPad and the iPhone, where you can create playlists and you can move songs around? And won't that make more sense than an app like music? But but, but I think that's kind of what I meant when I talked about going to the cloud. I think 
um, you know, the the devices will just become an interface to uh, a central repository that's on the cloud, and that will that will store your plans. Well, that's what I mean, though. And and iTunes yeah. would be interacting with that cloud on your device. Exactly. So effectively, it'd just be a client that you would run on your. Um, right, but there's your, no management solutions on an iOS device right now. No, no, it would have to do. It would have to do that. They would have to migrate most of what the desktop client does to a cloud type service, and then allow everything to access it. And I suspect that's the way they'll go. Um, and effectively, your your Mac will, or your PC, excuse me, <coughs> will um, just become a, basically a storage location for the stuff that's not hosted on their servers. Yeah. Um, but and then they'll just be a very lightweight client that actually interacts with the the master copy of your playlists and your man all your management functions, everything that lives up on the on their uh, data center. I did buy something else. Go on then, tell me. I bought an iPhone. I know you're thinking you're S. No, a three G. Oh, I'm serious. Guy at a uh, guy at work brought his old. He, well, he brought a couple things in. He wants to sell because he doesn't use them anymore. One of them was the uh, the new i uh, Apple TV, but the 721, not the 1080. Yeah. So he wants to sell that so he can get the 1081. Why? Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> He says 1080p. That's what he was waiting you know what? for. You know what? Why don't you buy? Uh, why don't you buy his Apple TV off him and then sell it back to him as a 1081 and see if he notices? He, could, he, wouldn't, you, he, know, would... no, he wouldn't know. No, he wouldn't know. Nobody would. Well, maybe if you got a 60 inch TV, sure. But otherwise, yeah. you're not going to see any difference. But you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, and then he pulled out in the block in the box that it came in. Uh, this iPhone. And he says, oh, I'm selling this too. And I said, what is that, a 3G? And he said, yeah. And I went, well, who the hell is going to want to buy a 3G? You can get a 3GS for free at AT&T. And he laughs and he says, I know, but it's just been sitting around my house for the last year or two. And just, I, you know, I took it, it, I took it down to stock and I put it in the box and I always meant to sell it, but I don't know what to do with it now. So later in the day, I was talking to Julie and I just casually mentioned that, oh, yeah, a guy here selling his uh, 3G. And she goes, an iPhone? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, is that the new one? I said, oh, no, this is like the second one that came out. And she said, well, how much is he selling it for? I said, I, I don't know, probably like 20 bucks or something. Yeah. And she goes, well, you ought to buy it. That way we've got a spare so when one of the ones, our, our old ones that the kids use as an iPod Touch goes bad, we'll just have that one. I said, really? And she was like, yeah, why not? It's 20 bucks. So I went in. I said, hey, Nathan, I'll buy that iPhone off you for 20 bucks. And he said, oh, okay. <laughs> so I got home yesterday. And, you know, after syncing the iPad and playing with that, I, well, you know, an hour before I went to bed, I went, oh, I've got that iPhone in my bag still, too. <laughs> so I plugged it in. It was completely dead. I mean, it had been sitting around for, you know, a couple years with no charge. Woke up this morning, completely charged up, synced it to, uh, the same backup as my first generation iPhone, and uh, no, it works great. It's just, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not a phone; it's just a glorified iPod Touch. But well, I, I use a 3GS just like that at home. Yeah, so uh, do we. So. We have the first one, the 3GS, and now the 3G. In fact, because I bought this 3G, I now own every single model of the iPhone. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'm special. So, um, yeah, but of course, that won't run the late. The problem with it, it won't run the latest software. No, it won't. And I knew, and that's why I synced it to the the backup from the first generation iPhone. Yeah. 
But any new apps that won't run on it, what doesn't install on it anyways? And it's only an eight gig, so it's you know, it's just a little device for the kids to play with when we're in the car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, keeps them quiet for a while. Yeah, it um, still do quite a lot. Now it's interesting, actually. You say that um, I did read something online the other day about somebody was saying, "Is there a way?" I have an older iPod Touch. Is there a way to go back and get the non-updated version of, of kind of a game that runs on the older systems? Because obviously most of them are being updated for iOS 5 now. Right. And those won't install on these old devices. And Apple doesn't provide you any way to go and get back those older application files. Um, they will always only serve you the latest one. So unless you have a backup, you've already had it, had it somewhere. You're kind of stuffed. Yeah, I bet you could find it online somehow. I bet there's a, I bet there's a way to do it. Yeah, you might have to email the developer and see if they'd send you an older version. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So we've got some uh, topics that you sent in for our show last week, which we didn't record because you were on a train. And uh, we tried a little bit. It, it just didn't work. And then I thought, this well, I'll... I, th- I thought, I'll just record an episode of myself, and I recorded about 15 minutes. I just wasn't digging it, didn't feel it, so I was like, oh, screw it, we're just not going to have a show this week. So that's why there was no tech fan last week, I just, eh, didn't feel like it. It happens. So let, yep. but let's take our uh, a break here, throw in a commercial for another show in the Stoplight Network, and Dave and I will be right back. This is Lee Douglas, the host of Old Time Rock and Roll, the largest oldies podcast in the world today. I want to invite you to join us every single day of the week, 24 hours a day, for the best in oldies rock and roll music. We take requests, dedications, and have a playlist of over 110,000 songs. We never play the oldies to death. Join us at www.oldtime.com. R&R.com See ya Are you a geek? I guess so Why do you really guess so? Prove your geek cred I don't need to prove myself to you I'm the new host of the geekiest show ever We will see about that Don't you just hate it when droids think they have all the control and don't know their role? You know, they forget that we can turn the power off. Oh no, you can't. Oh yes, I can. Don't, please. I'll be good. That's better. Nothing worse than artificial intelligence being, well, unintelligent. Head across to iTunes and subscribe to the Geekiest Show Ever podcast. The only show truly dedicated to geekery. So, David Cohen, um... You sent out a list of topics, and I, I really liked them. I'm not going to take them in exactly the order that you have here. Because yeah. the one that's most interesting to me, um, you ask about the PSP Vita. Yeah. And you ask, is it a niche of device? Do dedicated handheld gamers exist? Uh, does a premium product and ecosystem make sense? Let's start at the end there. Does a premium product, why, why do you call this a premium product? It's only 250 bucks. It's cheaper than an iPod Touch. It's cheaper well, than an yeah, iPad. But, it, but it's a premium product for two reasons. Well, three reasons, because it's a Sony one. The first one is it's, yeah, it's 250 bucks. But that uh, that thing only really does one thing, which is play games. 
No, it, you can browse the web and listen to music on it. Yeah. And you could on the old one, and nobody did. True. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 big, it's bulky, uh, it's no iPod Nano by any stretch of the imagination. But... You can watch... You can watch video. You can do all of those things on it, but basically, you're not going to buy it to do those things. You're not going to buy. You're not going to buy it saying, "Oh, it's a gaming." It's going to, you know, if you consider an iPod Touch or an iPhone as a a gaming device, a communications device, a web browser, an email device, a video player, you you can't look at the PSP Vita, even though it can do all of those things. You can't look at PSP Vita and say it's the same, even though you can get it with a with a three G contract. Uh, and everything is not the same, and I, I, I don't believe that people would go out and buy it saying it's as good as a, an iPod Touch for all of those functions. It's clearly optimized as a gaming device, right? And it sells to gaming or to gamers. It sells to gamers. It's marketed as a gaming device. It's not marketed as a as a general um, kind of PDA uh, communications device. It's marketed as a gaming device. My question is, is can you uh, it's a premium one as well it's more expensive than pretty much everything else in the market in that sector like the 3ds and the dsi and um all of those sort of things so my question is is that market big enough sony believes it is otherwise it wouldn't have developed it but i'm not sure it is nowadays well you look at the 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 video game market and it's huge it's a huge segment of the population that are playing video games um a lot of the people are playing video games on their handheld, i.e. iPhones, iPad now, and yeah. Android devices. Um, my first question to you, though, would be, have, have you played with one yet? I will play one with one this Sunday, because uh, I uh, went in with my uh, brothers and my brother's girlfriend to get one for my brother for his 40th birthday. So um, I bought it, but I haven't opened it, obviously, yet. It's his birthday present, so I'll see it on Sunday. And don't get me wrong, I'm quite sure it's a truly fabulous gaming device. Well, here's here's where it comes down to. I bought the original PSP, and I thought it was an amazing device. I I bought the original PSP, too. Uh, At the time, Chad and I were doing the MyMac podcast, and he had one. And he uh, still plays with it, as far as I know. Yep. I didn't like it at all. And the reason was the controls were just terrible on it. That little thumbstick thing that they had, that little nub, was just yeah. terrible. You couldn't do real good first-person shooters because you didn't have dual analog sticks. Um, it just felt like a, a really clumsy control mechanism slapped on a halfway decent handheld computing device yeah. or gaming device. So the Vita fixes that. The Vita fixes has, that, and it has a much has, bigger screen, and the screen is just amazing. It, it looks really yeah. good. It doesn't look and as good as an iPad 3, but it yeah. looks damn good. And it's also touch-enabled front and back. Yep, which I don't understand yeah. the back so much, but uh, well, whatever. You know, it's, the, it's there. Yeah, it's there, so yeah. if a developer so, wants to use the, it. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the, the Vita's a, a poor gaming system by but the stretch he, but here's, I, I clearly, understand that, but yeah, here's my point. Runs, yeah, if you're a serious video game buff or enthusiast, and I don't consider myself a serious video game enthusiast, but I like to play video games. So I do play some games on my iOS devices, but if I seriously want to sit down and play a, a video game, my first thought is the PS3 or the Xbox, and then because yeah. of the controller. 
you it, touch controls work really well with some games like Angry Birds and Plants vs Zombies and and I would even argue that uh, an RTS game is more intuitive if you could touch it rather than using a mouse on a computer. Yeah. However, the games that I like to play, the the Grand Theft Auto type games, um, Uncharted, you really do need that uh, that controller. Yeah, and so I got to play. Tactile. You need yeah. something tactile, um, and you need your fingers out of the way of the screen when you're playing. That's the problem with yeah. with touch games. Um, so I got to play with one, all but in a store, and all but for 15 minutes. But I fell a little bit of in, in love with it. Not a lot, just a little bit. Yeah. And I really kind of dig it. In fact, I, I dig it so much that I'm, I've got my uh, HP touchpad with the uh, haptic charging station and all that. Yeah, I'm trying to get two twenty five out of it. That way, yeah, so I, that, that way, I only have to spend twenty five bucks and I'll get the Vita. Yeah, I d- I don't disagree with any of that. I'm quite sure that when I get to play with it, I'm really going to dig it as well. And and like you, I'm I'm a similar sort of gamer, somebody who really enjoys games i like those sorts of games the first person shooters and all that but you know don't necessarily have a lot of time to devote to it you would think that i'd be in the um slap in the sweet spot for the for the vita but i'm not um and the reason for that is that it's for that sort of device i think it's too expensive so i i understand they've packed it full of technology and it's class leading and all of that but it's still more than at the moment i would pay for in, for a new xbox yeah um, I think the problem they face is that that hardcore gamer market already have Xboxes and, and PS3s, but they don't have anything handheld. No, but the point the point the point I'm kind of coming to is that I think having if I had one, I have the Xbox. If I had both of them in particular, I would look at the games I would have to buy for it and say, well, that's going to be not just the price of the Vita, but also it's going to be $60, £40, whatever it is, for, for each of the games I want to buy for it. On top of what I have to pay for my games for my uh, my stand, my, my uh, home consoles, it becomes very expensive very quickly. And with the Vita in particular, because the, of some of the design decisions Sony have made, we've got a proprietary memory card format that's incompatible with anything that's come before again. That memory card format is more expensive to buy than anything that's come before. Again, this is Sony all over. Um, it can play P- the old PSP games, but it doesn't have the slot for the uh, for the disc for the disc cartridges. So you have to rebuy those games from Sony if you want to play them again. If you want to play them on the new device, but if you already if you have that game, yeah. then you probably have a PSP. Yeah, but then but then if you want to play that game, then you've got to have that other device with you and the games and all of that as well i i just to me i i i it seems to me that all the compromises that you have to make the fact is you have to carry an extra device the fact is that you're going to be in the hole for very expensive full price games you know console price games for another system um all of those things are all they're all things going to uh, the price of the of the thing itself the price of the accessories itself the fact that the games that are coming out for it are the same franchises that are available on the Xbox and the PS3 so you put all the right, rest but you can't together. get those franchises on other devices because they're 
you're not seeing those franchises, at least those type of quality of games, on an iOS device that you could take with you. That's true. But I mean, the closest we got is it, GTA 3. I mean, yeah, but but let's face it: if you want to play a first-person shooter on other devices, you can play them. And there are there are some that are of a, a similar, if not quite as high a level of quality as something you're going to get in the Vita. If you want to play Modern Warfare, you can get games like that on an iOS device. Yeah, but they're not the yeah, same. There's a qu- there's not- a there's a quality. I mean. Yeah, some people I, say, not, "Well, not, if you're Halo, that, yeah, yeah if you're Halo fan, you can, you can get Nova." Well, Halo and Nova, it's night and day. I mean, one's a, a cheap ripoff, and one's yeah, you know, bring something out of the, of of a gamer because but, it's so good. But the point is, is this is for a portable system, right? So, if you think about the times you're going to want to play a portable game, if you've only got you know, half an hour to an hour, sat in a car or commuting on a bus or something like that. But those aren't serious is gamers. It, yeah, but is it going to... The point I'm trying to make is that for the quality, I don't deny the quality of the console and of the content, right? I don't deny the um, superior experience you're going to get from the PSP Vita system. The reason I'm saying is it a niche is the, hard, the number of people who are hardcore gamers who are interested in playing video games on the move and are, are so concerned about the quality of the gaming experience that they will be looking at a console like a Vita and also have the disposable income to support that ecosystem, I think that market is very, very small. And I don't think it's big enough to make the Vita the sort of success it needs to be to justify what Sony's put into it. Maybe. That's, that's, the, that's the argument I'm making. And I, and I think that um, my, my concern is that uh, it's, it's going to be another one of these systems that's you know is is really class leading in lots and lots of areas, but actually the market it's aiming at is just too small and too narrow. And I I think they would have been better. And I, I had this conversation with a couple of other people over the last week or so, uh, and uh, who are hardcore gamers. And each of them, when I put this to them, said, "Yeah, you know what? That would have been much better." I said. It would be better if you could buy a PSP Vita and it could effectively become a home console as well as a portable. If you could find a way to, to generate the game experience playing the, the Vita, but when you're at home, you could see it on a big TV. Every one of the people I talked to said, you know what, that would be awesome. I will buy one in a heartbeat if it could do that. Maybe. But when, you, but when you say, oh, but it's just a portable gaming system, um, most people have said, you know what, yeah, it's fine, but, but it's a lot of money and the games are a lot of money and I'm not sure I want to get into that. And I don't think it's going to sell. And I think that's a shame. I think it, I think it is going to sell, not in the numbers that Sony's hoping for, but I think it's going to be a moderate success. And I think it's going to be a bigger success next year when you see a lot more uh, AAA titles of console quality hitting that device. All they need is one game, like a... You know, look, if you go back in time, what sold a PS2? Well, two things did. It played DVDs, which was good. And yeah. at the time it came out, it was one of the cheapest DVD players you can get in uh, 1999. Uh, but more than that, this game called Grand Theft Auto 3 came out. And and Grand Theft Auto sold the PS2. That's what drove that yeah, sale. Definitely. definitely. Um, you get a game of, of that caliber that you can't get anywhere else, it will sell the system. Content still to, drives hardware yeah, sales, but it, it's a, for that to happen, it has to be something new. You know, they're not they're not going to sell that thing on the back of another Uncharted game, another Modern Warfare game. I agree with you. It's got to be something that nobody's seen before. Yep. My my concern really is Sony's Sony's bleeding money at the moment. 
I just don't see them putting the resources into this to actually turn it into the, the success it, they, they want it to be. And I don't think a moderate success is going to be good enough for them at this point. Even the 3DS, even Nintendo, yeah, with their huge successes and their huge resources and everything, really had to slash the price of the 3DS to get it selling well enough to justify it to continue. And I, and I think the, the Vita is going to face the same thing. And I, I, I wonder how much wiggle room... Sony, uh, Sony really has to actually slash the price of it because it's a brand new development with cutting edge hardware. And if, as soon as as soon as um, as soon as developers start leaving the platform, then you know it's kind of can be game over. So I, I don't want to. I'm I don't not, know. I'm not saying I want to see this happen, but no, no, no. I, I, I guess that I just feel the business decisions behind the ecosystem itself makes the Vita a niche, and I don't think a niche is going to be good enough for them nowadays. I think that uh, the people who are on the fence about it, they're like, yeah, I don't know. That's a lot of money for a gaming system. Not quite sure if I want to spend that and invest on a whole different platform that is going to take even more room in my backpack or my briefcase or my suitcase, whatever. Um, And I've already got a PS3 at home. What do I need a, a portable thing that I'm already at home? may change your mind as soon as they play with one for a few minutes. They might... I think people are going to play with it and go, wow, this really is something. And at $250, that's not a, that's not a lot of money for electronics anymore, David. I mean... I, I, I understand that, but it's... it's it, If it was $100 cheaper, it would be kind of a no-brainer. And I think it probably will come down in price eventually. And I, I think probably by this holiday season, I think it's going to be 199 uh, I think the one that they're screwing up is the one that comes with a contract for 3G coverage on it. I think that's stupid. Yeah. Well, um, the one the one we brought for my brother is a 3G is a Wi-Fi only. Wi-Fi only, and that's the only that's the one I'm interested in at 250, 299 for the one that's 3G enabled, and you have to have a contract. Yeah, not really interested in that. No. But the Wi-Fi only one, yeah, I I do want it. Um, and it's not just because I'm a gadget guy. You know, I, I'm a technology fan. Yeah. It's because I actually played with it, and just uh, it feels really good in your hand. No, I, I I do get that. I mean, the the my brother had a PSP first before me, and as soon as I saw his, I wanted one. Uh, and um, you but know, I that's, remember, that's I was disappointed with the PSP. I just thought the controls yeah. were just crummy on it, just terrible. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of fun with my. I've just sold mine, but I've I've just had a lot of fun with my PSP over the years, and I I had a lot of software for it. Um, you know, I probably had about thirty, forty games for it in the end. I have uh, you know, for for a long time. It was my only console because I yeah. didn't have the Xbox. I just don't know. think no. I like the I like the GTA games that came out for the the PSP, and I bought them both for the PSP, but I just couldn't play them. I, it's the controls yeah. were just so bad. So when they finally ported those. As a PS2 game, I bought them there and played them on the PS2. It was much more enjoyable. The pro- I think the other problem that, that uh, Sony may face is that it, if somebody cracks controls on the iOS by uh, an external device or something like that, and that becomes kind of mainstream, then then it literally is game over. Because I, I agree. I think I, th- I think people are prepared to put up with a lower quality of graphics if the uh, gaming experience is good enough. And I think you can get that certainly with the with the the four or the four S, or the iPad or the new iPad, you can get pretty close to the graphics from. I mean, the, the new um, that new uh, Air game, uh, Sky Gamblers from Namco. Yeah, 
on the on the new iPad is stunning. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. So it's interesting. I don't know. One of us is going to be right. One of us. One of us is going to be wrong, and we're not going to know for at least probably six to twelve months. No. Uh, another one you got up here. We'll get into before we uh, take our next break. Uh, why does no one make a cheap open source handheld gaming system that is MAME compatible? Tell me about that. Well, I, I, Do you want to explain to people what MAME stands for? Yeah, MAME is a um, multiple arcade machine emulator. And basically it's a kind of an open standard um, in a way that of, of, of emulating old arcade boards. And it's been extended so it runs other platforms. But effectively, if you get a copy of a MAME application and there are three or four different versions knocking around for different systems, what have you, you can then load the original ROMs from uh, old arcade games from the 80s and 90s. Uh, and and console your- games. Yeah. N64, Super Nintendo, Atari, Sega. Basically, it's an architecture for emulation, right. a MAME. But, uh, but the, what it's most famous for is for emulating the original arcade games from the uh, from the arcades of the 80s and 90s. Uh, and you can load those ROMs into it, and then you can play those games. Um, and it's not a recoding. It's not with tarted-up graphics like you get on some of the iOS platforms. It's the actual original games with bugs, uh, tricks, high scores, everything the way you used to play them. You, um, you do realize the biggest downfall and why no one's done this, right? Uh, well, obviously, it's the uh, the ROMs are not open source; they are proprietary. Right. So the only way you're going to get games for it is to illegally download them. That's the only way. I agree, and that's what most people who have Mame do. And I'm not encouraging a rampant piracy by any stretch of the so, imagination. So, how does a company make well, I, a handheld you know gaming system, and the only way you can get games for it is to pirate them? I think the way to do it is to uh, do what Apple does, which is to design the hardware and then go and approach these people and say, let's cut a deal. So why would anybody want to do this instead of just converting their old game to an iOS device where they have... Well, uh, there are, the current list of ROMs for name is about uh, 10,000 titles. Right. Yeah, but that, uh, That's just the arcade ones. Right, so, but uh, let's, let's be you, honest. So those 10,000, of those 10,000 titles, 9,580 of them suck. I I disagree with that. I don't think they all suck. I don't think I don't think the percentage is that high. Um, I think that there are more quality games in that list than than perhaps you give it credit for. But the point I'm the point I would try and make is if you go to the um, iOS store and look at the number of uh, kind of retro games that are on there, it it would be a handful of that ten thousand titles. Um, and yeah, some of the better ones, but also some of the some of the worst ones. But a lot of them haven't been done very well at all. Uh, they've been recoded. So who's the, who's the market for something like this? I, I think I think people like you and me who grew up when those games were, uh, you know, it's 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 the same old argument you get with all sorts of things. If you if you give people a cheap, affordable, and easy way to access nostalgia, then they will pay for it. And you can make a lot of money. And the way to do it is to design some hardware to do it, to go to the content providers, the people who hold the copyrights for those ROMs, and say, let's cut a deal so that we can release these games on these platforms and you'll make money on on content that you don't need to go and reprogram, regenerate, uh, 
design a new iOS app for and then pay um, pay Apple their thirty percent for every copy you sell. You can you can do it directly. I think there's it, it would be a great opportunity for a Kickstarter project, and I think um, you could make money on it if you did it if you had the right business brain. And it just amazes me that nobody has thought of doing it. Well, actually, there has been companies that have released dedicated MAME devices. I don't know if you know that. Um, most of them are little Chinese knockoff companies. Yeah, but but, that, but they not, have been out there. The content piece, right? You've got to do the whole thing. You can't just build the hardware. And but say, who do you contact for, for the software? I mean, there was well, thousands the, of companies. The uh, vast well, majority of them have gone belly up. So you, you go to you go through the archives. You look at at what happens to the assets of the companies, and you go you go and find people. It's possible. It's possible, it's like, but my my issue it's easy. my issue is the, the vast majority of the games out there have very very small replayability because they kind of sucked or there were mostly knockoffs of other games. How many maze games were there after Pac-Man came out? Hundreds. Just hundreds of them. Most of the Atari 2600 games do not hold up over time. No, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't look at the uh, 2600 and besides which, the problem you're going to have with Atari is that Atari is still around uh, making its own money off those games, I, I think you'd struggle with some of those. But um, I just don't think I don't think there's a big enough market. For, I think that is a smaller niche market than the PSP Vita. Uh, maybe the difference the, the difference is that um, I don't think you need to be a Sony and sink billions of dollars into this to get to make it work. I think, as I say, I think it could be done as a Kickstarter project and with. Uh, you know, the right business brain and the willingness to go out and do the deals because I think that's the linchpin of making it happen. I think you could start to do it, and you could do it relatively affordably compared to um, compared to you know the development of something like a Vita. So you think you know, those you've companies? Seen, you've, just seen, you've just seen this. Um, have you heard this Raspberry Pi? This new board that's just come out over here in the UK. No. So the Raspberry Pi is a is a project that uh, has come out of of, of Cambridge. Uh, and basically, what it is is an op- it's a, w- a way of getting a very small, cheap system board into schools to try and teach kids how to program. So the, this thing costs um, costs thirty five dollars, and it's a full computer on a chip. And you buy the bare board, and they've got a Linux distro for it, and a whole load of development tools. And the idea is is to try and kickstart computing as it used to be rather than teaching kids how to use Microsoft Word and um, they sold 10,000 units on their first order run you know literally in about an hour um, and they've basically they for very little money they've developed this project from the ground up with a specific goal in mind uh, and the hardware is cheap the software is is cheap or free uh, and basically what they're doing is they're trying to build a movement behind it. And I think the same sort of ideas with a bit more of a commercial focus could bring back some of those old arcade games in a way that people would be interested in. And if you could get a device that was, you know, was $50, $60, and then you, there was a store where you could buy those old games from legally, I think you could make a lot of money. I think you can make a little bit of money. I don't think you'd ever recoup your operating expenses Maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's, the point is, it's never going to happen. So it never will. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's something cool but, uh, to think about, though. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I like to see. I think nostalgia is a big market. I totally agree with you. Let's take our last break, and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. It's Guy from the MyMac.com podcast, and I'm here to tell you about the show. I wish Gaz was here, but apparently he's too busy. So hey, hold on a minute. I'm right here. 
What are you going on about? Well, I was about to cut a promo, but you always seem busy doing other things. Okay, now you've cheesed me off, so I'm turning you into a chipmunk. <laughs> sure, like you have the power to do that. Well, what did you just do to me? Like I said, I turned you into a chipmunk. Now be quiet while I do the promo. Why do I have a sudden craving for lettuce? The MyMac.com podcast is a fun look at all the goings-on in the Mac world. We involve the listeners in a show to talk about what's important to them and interview people who do amazing things with their Macs and iOS devices. A carrot might be nice. You can contact us via Facebook, Twitter, Skype, as well as email. I have an urge to climb trees really fast. Shh! Find us in iTunes by searching under my Mac. You'll find us and a lot of other great shows all under the Stoplight Network. Hey, I can scratch behind my ears with my foot. If you promise to be good, I'll change you back. I don't know. I'm kind of digging the fur. The MyMac.com podcast. Done by a Brit and apparently now a chipmunk. John Nemo needs our help. Mark. Okay, Siri, what's the problem? His at-minute podcasts don't have any Aussie slang from down under. You mean like, g'day mate, bloody oath, or fair go? Right, and ag, wobbly, and she'll be apples. You come up with a new promo for Nemo, and I'll send it to him, Siri. Check out Nemo's Hard Yakker at-minute podcast. You're going to have to do better than that. How about a complete sentence? G'day. Grab a cuppa, a bicky, and check out the App Minute podcast with rigid edge John Nemo. It's a ripper. Tell everyone this is Dinky Diane that Siri from Sydney says so. I'm Tim Robertson, back with David Cohen, here on Tech Fan number 70. Can you believe we've done 70 of these already, David? No, I, I can't. It's, I, I was thinking today about um, how long we've been doing this now, and I'm they all kind of blur together, really. But, but you know, it uh, still seems fresh and new, Tech Fan does. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's still like the new show. But uh, but and, we've been uh, doing podcast. I mean, look, Guy and Gazaret, we they just released show 395. Yeah. We were on half of those. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was on more than half of those. Yeah. Um, and some people still associate me with that podcast, but, well, because, you know, I still own it, but that's not the point. Uh, the point is podcasting as part of my Mac and of course now the stoplight network goes back to the dawn of podcasting and for yep. us, but for us to be at 70 already, just wow. It just, that's a lot for, yeah. to me, it feels like a short amount of time. It's kind of crazy. Flies by. It does. Uh, another one of the things you, you wanted to talk about is uh, why do carriers hate their customers so much? Yeah. What do you mean by that? <laughs> well, they don't really treat you. The cell phone carriers don't really treat their customers like customers. They treat them um, like somebody who has to be tolerated, and they want their money. It just doesn't seem to be. Isn't that true though with a lot of industries nowadays? Though I mean, the, the whole concept of the customer is always right. That's gone. That was thrown out uh, the yeah, window in the mid nineties. Yeah, I don't. I don't agree with the customer is always right because you know. You know you you work in retail. No, but it it, it it means customers every day. You know, there there are customers who are idiots, and there are customers who are arrogant, and there are customers who are unreasonable. And those customers aren't always right. No, but that sentiment really doesn't mean the customer is always right. That that sentiment means you treat the customer with respect. 
Yeah, but yeah. I, this is the point. I don't believe that cell phone carriers do treat their customers res- with respect, and I don't understand. Well, neither why. does the airlines. Neither does your cable company. I mean, neither do the police half the time. I mean, you but, know. The, yeah, the different the difference between a lot of those things is that those are things that you engage with on a uh, you often engage with on a fairly um, irregular basis. You, most people don't fly every week. Um, they fly occasionally or once or twice a year. So in some respects, you can understand maybe how you, there's not a lot of stickiness with a lot of those customers. So why should the company invest a lot of time? I in don't being- interact with my cell phone company hardly ever. If I have a problem, maybe. But otherwise, I just pay my bill and use my devices. Yeah, but the point is, is you are you are interacting with them every time you use your device, right? And even there, they're treating you not the cell phone carrier is treating you like a leech on their network yeah not like a valued customer sure and i don't understand we've given why, them that power though well yeah but i I, th- I think the point is is it is it's become pretty much a monopoly it's a, oh, it's a well, no, not, not a, absolutely not a, not a monopoly a um uh, what's the other word not a consortium a uh, cartel it's oh a cartel. I, I i i totally agree with you but that's, yeah. it's our fault. We've allowed these companies to push us around. People are sheep nowadays, David. I mean, yep. it, it, I trace that back, honestly, for in, in America alone, I kind of trace that back to 9-11, um, where we got punched in the, in the mouth, and too many people were just scared. They were, oh, what's that? Oh, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Well, grow a pair. Yeah. We're in the United States of America. What do you mean you're so scared? Stop it. Yeah, in fact, I, I know an American guy um, who's married to my aunt. And, and since 9-11, he's flown twice. He won't fly because he's so terrified. Right. And I'm sick of that, that just pussy ridiculous. mentality. Yeah. I'm so scared. Shut up. I'm not scared. You know? And look, Israel is positioned in a place where every neighbor hates them. Every yeah. neighbor wants them gone. Are they scared all the time? Oh, I don't want to open my mail. I saw some powder on it. Well, maybe your freaking fat-ass mailman was eating a freaking powdered donut before he delivered your mail. <laughs> Shut up. It's not anthrax. Nobody's coming after you, Aunt B. Shut up. Yeah, but there's two problems with the cell phone industry. Is that they've not been well-regulated. They're, um, they've got too many lobbyists. Uh, pushing their interests and not their customers' interests, and we're putting up with it. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I don't blame the cell phone companies. If you could get away with it, you're going to do it. Well, uh, no, I, I do to an extent in that I believe that uh, even even when you're a large corporation, if the people in the management team at the top ultimately have some fundamental respect for their customers, then they won't act I think if constantly. you ask them, they would say they do have. Yeah, no, but, but their they, overriding factor is always going to be profit. Yeah, it's actions speak louder than words. And um, I think some of the things that they do demonstrate the fact that ultimately they don't give a damn about their customers except as a revenue stream. Of and course. that's the problem. If, you, if your customers are nothing but a number on the spreadsheet, then you've got a problem. I, I totally agree with you. And, of course, we treat our customers where I work. Um, and I harp on this with our employees. You know, you treat them with dignity and respect. And we do what's right for by the customer. And a prime example, a guy sends us an email he's got a g3 ibook and the screen stopped working how much would it get to how much to fix it 
Now, obviously, we're going to make a lot of money off of that customer by fixing that screen. But I wrote him back and I said, "You, you're not. You don't want to fix that screen. Yes, we could do it. The price, the the value of that machine is nothing. Um, yeah. It's time to buy a new machine. Whether they buy it through us, and I'll make less by selling him a new computer than I would fixing his old one. Um, or you buy it through Apple, but don't don't waste your money fixing this computer. It's simply not worth it. No, those with with those those really age max. If you really love them that much, you're much better going to eBay and trying to find another one. All right, but the than, uh, but the point yeah. is, you know, instead of blinking that customer for yeah. how much we could get from them, I was honest with him. Don't waste your money fixing this machine. It's simply not worth it. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the reason that came just bringing it back to carries the reason that brought this up is the the whole business with the uh, you know the new iPad has LTE. Yep. And yet you still can't FaceTime over LTE. Now, there's not a bandwidth issue there. There's nobody using the LTE networks at the moment because there's so few devices out there. And the LTE has massive amounts of bandwidth. And yet they still won't let you use FaceTime over it. And the reason for that is because they don't want you communicating over data. They want you communicating over your voice plan. Yeah. And then charging. So they basically want to charge you twice for that communication. They want to charge you... Um, they want to charge you for your data, but then constrict what you can do with it, and then they want to charge you for voice. I agree with you. I don't know. They they suck because they suck. They suck. The airlines suck because they suck. Yeah, it's it's the customer's fault. We've allowed them to rape and pillage the village so often that we just go. Well, that's just the that's business nowadays. It doesn't have to be, but. Most people won't stick up for your rights as a consumer. They just don't. They don't. They don't care enough. They just want to get home and watch American Idol. Well, or yeah, the X Factor. And, and the key thing is that they want. And they the can't service. be bothered. Yeah. Well, they want the service. They want the they service, want and they can't be bothered. Service. And and you know there is, the problem with the, with the cartel is that who, where do you go to if you need to have the service? You've got to go to one of them. So you pick the one that's in your mind is least bad. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then you put up with whatever they throw at you. Right, because people are sheep. People are sheep, and they just accept whatever they're told to accept, and that's that. Am I wrong? No, not at all. Yeah. But that's the problem, is people are, are too lazy. People are almost too lazy to stand up for themselves and say, Oh, absolutely. Well, I'm going to choose to inconvenience myself and not pay money for this. Right, I'm not, I'm not going to support this place because of yeah. A, B, and C. Yeah, but I th- I want to play Angry Birds. Uh. And, and I was kind of struck by this as well, is that, you know, people will... There was a big fuss this week over the ending of Mass Effect 3. Yeah, I heard about it. I haven't played the game, but I heard that oh, people are ticked either, off about apparent, it. Apparently the ending is... is, it's the third, is the, obviously, it's the third game in the trilogy, and the ending was somewhat disappointing. I don't know what the ending was, and I don't know in what way it was disappointing. But people were upset that, about the quality of the ending. So there's there's petitions, there's campaigns. Somebody's going to sue the FTC over this, and I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. You you allow your you allow your corporations to ride roughshod off you every day without blinking. You just pay the money over, and then over the ending of a game, all of a sudden you're getting organised. Mm. Get a grip. <laughs> Actually, I, I look at it from a different angle. Good for those guys. They're pissed off and they're doing something about it. They they've yeah, invested I, their money. Whatever the ending I, I, was, it's bullshit. Hey, this is hey, this ain't right. What, Good yeah, for the them. Prob- 
the problem is 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 that again it's the response the response to the sensible response to that will be to write to the company and say i'm disappointed with the ending i'm not going to buy any more of your software right and then stick to that what these guys want them to do is to change the ending of the game so it's more satisfying that is completely to me the wrong approach if you want if you're not happy with the performance of the company you don't say well just fix it and i'll keep paying you i agree with you i agree but by the same token if you're that displeased with something at least you're saying something unlike well, it seems like most people don't say anything they just accept the crappy outcome and well that's just cell phone carriers well that's just this it's just that that's just the way things are nowadays well it doesn't have to be if you grow a spine uh last thing before we wrap it up because we're getting pretty late here uh, Diablo 3 is coming out on May 15th, and you wrote, I prefer Blizzard as they were 10 years ago. I think WoW has ruined that company for non-WoW gamers. Um, you know, StarCraft 2 came out about a year ago, I guess. Maybe less. Yeah. I've got it, and I've played it for maybe a half hour tops. Yeah. And it's not that it's not a good game, it's just that I just haven't got back into it, and I don't really play very many video games on my computer anymore. I'd rather play it on an iPad or a console, um, especially StarCraft. I think it'd be much better on the iPad. Um, but that being said, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I've got contacts at Blizzard. They've always been nice to me when it's the holidays. I always get a bir- uh, a holiday card from Blizzard PR. Um, they, they solicit my opinion as a journalist on games, I get I get access to almost all their games pre-release. Um, they're not dicks about NDAs. The biggest difference between now and ten years ago, I don't think is is necessarily Blizzard themselves. It's the fact that they bought Activision. Mm. They're a much larger company than they used to be. Um, yeah, but but that that's that's part of what uh, kind of worries me a little bit about Diablo. I mean, Diablo three's been developed for ages well so was starcraft 2 yeah but the problem is is that the games are so large they're so cumbersome they're so um there's so much stuff in them and there's so much balancing that has to go on so that the online experience is uh, you know whatever they want it to be and all of that comes from this world of warcraft stuff where no no people, it's been like I, that with blizzard forever Blizzard yeah, always had a long time between games. They were perfectionists. It's not going to be released until it's ready. Uh, and I've told this story in this podcast uh, before. I Blizzard sent me the first StarCraft game for the Mac, StarCraft Beta, right? A year before yeah. that game came out. I had people offering me $1,000 for that disc at the time because people were chomping at the bit. Oh my god, it's going to be Warcraft in space. This is going to be awesome. And you know what? It was awesome. It was it was incredible. But Blizzard didn't have that game where they wanted it as far as stability and the storyline and the voice acting and they make games that are so far superior than 99% of the rest of the industry. The very few game companies will take that meticulous care of a product. Uh, the problem is, is that I think the concentration is going on the online stuff, and I don't. Well, that's believe... a, that's that yeah, that's a it... personal thing for you and I. You and I don't play online games much. We get our butts kicked by fifteen-year-olds. But 
the vast majority of gamers out there enjoy that multiplayer experience and they have to make sure it's going to work right because I, uh, if it doesn't it's it's not necessarily the death of the company but it it it's a big hit for blizzard and blizzard's a, never released a game that people have said oh this is just terrible they, I, they've I th- never done I that think, i think my problem is the focus on the online stuff you uh, just I want it. you just I, want no, to play I it worry, right now i worry it's going to be to the detriment of the uh of the single player game but they've never done that is, well yeah but like for instance this one you're not going to be able to play unless you're online even if you just play want to play the single player campaign you will have to be connected to their Battle.net servers just to play the game. Well, but you're you're judging that as a bad thing before it's even come out. I, I well, would accept that criticism once it comes out and it's like, why do I have to do this? It makes no difference whatsoever. But we don't know that. Maybe it's because they're going to be sending out, even for the single players, dynamic content. So the dungeons are care. different every time. Don't care. You, do, you say you don't care now because you haven't played it yet. That's I, my point. I, the point is... is in you my just, view, you just I want, want to, be able to play. To, no, I want to be able to get a game. I want to install the game, and I want to play the game. I don't want. I've talked about this before with Steam. I don't want to be connected to the corporate hegemony while I'm playing the game, so they can throw stuff at me. Whatever it is, it could be. I don't care how great the stuff they're throwing at me is. There are times I don't want to be connected to them. I just want to play the work they've done. You're just a curmudgeon. I, I don't. I don't think that that's important enough for Blizzard anymore. You, you just, you just wanted ago, to play this game two years ago, and you're no, pissed off that it's taken you, so know, long. I could, I could, I could live without it. To be honest, I'd be quite because you know what I'll do if I'm if, if Diablo three comes out and it is like that, I'm just going to go out and play the old one. Yeah, because the old one is still a fantastic game. It's it's great, but you know, it, it's it will be sad for me if you spend ten years waiting for the update and then when the update comes out, because of all the online stuff, you turn around and say, you know, I'd rather play the old one. But so I understand that. where you're coming from and why you're kind of giving Blizzard the stink eye a little bit, but yep. by the same token, they are perfectionists. Yeah. And there's and I, very I, few I, ge- I, companies yeah. out there who do it as well as they do. I, re- I respect that, but I also respect the fact that because they send you a Christmas card every year, you won't have the bad words said about them. Oh, no, I still... <laughs> even if they didn't do stuff like that, that's just kind of a little bit of icing on the cupcake. Um, even if they didn't, I, this is a company that when I started My Mac Magazine in 1995, they were a tiny company. And yeah. when the first Warcraft came out, there was nothing else like it before, and it was fantastic. And, and Warcraft 2 maybe a year and a half later, uh, just made it even better. I mean, it set the standard for what a computer game could be over and above the crappy dooms and marathons I, and stuff like I that. I completely agree with you. And, and, I just and that meticulous... That like, I, well, I think they are. I, I don't see any... Ex- I, I don't see any evidence that they're not that, ga- that game company anymore. We'll see. I, I, it's one of the few companies that I will give the benefit of the doubt to. You know, okay. the, it's taking longer. They've got plans. They haven't I, I hit a the home. Delays, the delays I can live with. It's all the, it's all the stuff around the online that worries me. I, I just think that they need to respect the offline players and the single players and the people who aren't interested in, in World of Warcraft style, you know, subscription gaming as much as those other guys. Well, it's hard to argue success, that's for sure. So we'll see when it comes out. I'm. You know, Blizzard sends me every game that they release. I don't even play WoW, but they keep sending me all the stupid expansion packs. Um, in fact, when I reviewed WoW, I said, you know, 
it's a good game, but I can't imagine anybody pay, playing paying a monthly subscription fee to play it. I just couldn't see it, and I may have been wrong there. Although <laughs> I, so. I heard, uh, I've been reading reports recently that Blizzard is losing thousands of players a month now. People are leaving WoW, which I, it's, of course they are. You, one game's not going to stay popular forever. Yeah. Um, but as far as Diablo 3 is concerned, you know, Blizzard will send it to me. I'll play it, and uh, we'll see what happens. But I, I'll yep. give them the benefit of the doubt. One problem Blizzard has, and there's really nothing they can do about it, is I have very high expectations for their games. So when Blizzard or sends me Diablo 3 and I pop it in and start installing it, there's going to be a, a level of excitement there because, like you, I remember Diablo 2, and it was fantastic. I have that game. Um, I have. I actually have about three copies of it because I, I keep buying it. Every time I want to play it when I'm away somewhere, yeah. I buy another copy of it. Yeah, it's, and it's like, you know, <laughs> 10 bucks or something now. Yeah. It's nothing. Um, I'm going to have very high expectations, and if it doesn't live up to those high expectations... I'm going to be more disappointed than I would by picking up some other game that I've never heard of, trying and go, eh, it's not that good. So, in some respects, that's kind of an unenviable position for Blizzard. But by the same token, yeah. it's, it's a position that they put themselves in by making consistently great games uh, time after time. I, the problem I have is not the gameplay, it's all this other stuff. I, I mean, I'm just looking at, I'm looking at Wikipedia here, which is saying that apparently it's going to have a... Um, they're talking about having an auction house so that anything you pick up in the game can be auctioned online to other players for real money. Now, you know, that's a wow thing. And to me, it just doesn't have a place in this sort of game. But you don't have to do that, though. That's the point, David. Not there, but the point is point is you will have to do it because if you want to get the decent stuff you'll probably have to end to, to complete the game you'll probably have to end up buying it from some dude in korea but they've never done that before and well, i don't think they're we'll going to start now we'll see you know we'll see whether the the money talks or the customer talks or walks yeah <laughs> as the case may be so david thanks for being on tech fan with me this week i appreciate it man it was um, fun yeah We'll be back next week and uh, find out whatever else David wants to be a curmudgeon about. <laughs> next week next week is your turn to be a curmudgeon. Yeah, I'm good at it, so yeah, definitely. See you then, my friend. See ya.